Hello and welcome to episode 1221 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, September 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, how's it going? Good. Just watching the Yankees, Diamondbacks, trying to figure out who wants to lose this game more. <laughs> I know. And we got a crazy Monday afternoon game in a rain-soaked New York. It's a rain makeup. There's only four games today. There, several teams only have five games this week. I don't love the five game weeks. Um, you are in the craziest main event battle, three way tie for first as recently as yesterday. It's going to come down to the last second. I know you're watching every play. That's exactly where yeah. I'd be too. Yeah. I'm watching everything. I, I don't know how the people that step away and just check back later do it. Maybe that's what works best for them. We're all different respect to that but for me no shot i'm looking at every single thing down the stretch where are your nerves at right now shot absolutely shot like it's just like like i i tuned into the rotowire uh live stream of their sunday night pod last night just for a minute and uh and scott and and jeff were talking about like you know some leagues you know will come down to like one run or one and i talked about like and i said like in the chat i was like you know I'm three-way tie right now for first that i'm a part of at least five teams, maybe even six teams, still in the running. Uh, I was in seventh earlier last week. I, you know, finished the week in first. Um, so, like, my nerves are shot. I'm going to be watching every minute, like every single yeah. minute. Scott's like, no, don't, don't watch. Like, just set your lineup and then tune out. I was like, no. I mean, I, I don't have that self control. Like, I just don't. I, I don't even know if it's self control. Again, everyone's different. So if that's how Scott goes, that's totally chill. I play for this. Though. This is exactly what I play for. It is the sweat of watching it all. And yeah, it can end up being heartbreaking, but it can also end up being super thrilling. So I'm really pulling for you. You know we're pulling for uh, for our boy Greg as well. He's chasing down that overall Brian Slack, still in command, a friend of ours as well at the top. He feels he's got to be feeling pretty good. I know knowing Brian, he'll never be like, oh yeah, this is in the bag. There's no shot he would feel that way. Plus, it's also just not true. Um, he has 70-60, yeah. and then there's a 69-44 behind him, which sounds like a lot, but when the main event, like points can move. You know, you're talking like 30, 40, 50 points a day from teams still, so he's got nothing secured, uh, though we do wish him the best there at the top, and then my buddy Greg is in sixth. Uh, it can probably get up as high as second. He could win it. It's not out of the picture, but he's He's probably trying to get in that top three there uh, for the overall in the main, and it's going to be awesome. So I wish you the best of luck. I know you're going to be with Brian Slack and some others on Sunday watching everything, hopefully bringing home some titles for yourself. But we're going to spin it forward because uh, we've kind of done everything we can do as far as helping people for the rest of this season. You know, I'm still doing the SP chart, but I'm not even putting commentary on it. I said, if you got a question or something you want to talk about, just put it in the comments because I'm doing it strictly for the people who are still competing. So I don't want to come up with a bunch of comments that people don't care about. I want to have pointed commentary. So uh, I will still be doing it. And I know some people use it as a DFS chart too. So I didn't want to abandon it, but um, I'm not putting like a note about anything. If you want to say, well, what about this guy in Colorado? Like Kenta Maeda was a question today. Apparently he's going to go out of the bullpen. So I don't know if you want to start him there uh, or use him in Colorado if he's only going to be in the bullpen. But uh, again, we got to spin it forward and start looking at next year. And uh, we did some of that 
bit with the uh, team groups here, and we actually have one for the Yankees that we're going to save that you put together. It's a really interesting one with some players that they've got next year. They could be good next year. As, as quote-unquote bad as they were this year against expectations, there are a few breakouts from being really good. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to look at top 100 busts today uh, from the hitter side. And this, this will include some injury guys, right? But we're not just going to say, oh, he was injured, wash it away, move forward. Because some of these guys have multiple injuries now. And we're getting to the question where we have to say, are we going to go back to that well? Where is the discount that you will take uh, these guys with? So let's dive in and let's start at the top with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Trout. It's never about talent with him, and we're still not at that point as he uh, just finished up his age 31 season. I mean, it's a little bit of a down year for him, but if your down year is a 131 OPS plus and 18 homers in 82 games, which gives us the easy double up there for a, for a general pace, sign me up. Sign me up if that's my down year. But it's another injury washout. He's now played over 100 games, over 82 games, once in the last four years, the last three years, let's not count 2020, but 36, 119, 82, 134 back in 2019, but he was so unbelievable that it looks like a full season. In fact, he won the MVP that year. Where are you at on Trout? If he's a, first off, do you think he gets out of the second round? And if so, are you in? Because the steals are gone, even as everyone else is stealing. We already knew his were coming down, and now that gap is much bigger this year. So I've been rambling a bunch. Where are you at on Mike Trout going into next year? That's a really, really good question. I mean, I think it all comes down to how many games you can project for him. And I just don't know that you can project more than like maybe 100. And that makes it really difficult to take him, not just in the first two rounds, or the first five rounds, to be quite honest. Um, I know I agree there. If that's where you're at, if you really can't get yourself beyond 100, 120 even, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, so last year I was willing to, or earlier this year, I guess, it's not, not, not the next, it's not 2024 yet. So I could still say this year. Uh, earlier this year, I was buying back in on Ozzy Albies as a fourth round pick. Uh, and so if I'm thinking about it that way, like I should be in on trout as a fourth round pick, uh, even without the stolen base, especially because the fact that he doesn't steal isn't as painful now that steals aren't as hard to come by. Right. Like you don't necessarily That's a good point. You're saying grab ton of steals. Yeah. you go elsewhere to get them. Well, you, you do mm -hmm. need more steals to compete, but they're more plentiful to get is what you're saying. Yeah, for instance, like, uh, so I was doing projections last night for 2024 because I'm a sicko and crazy. Um, and, uh, and I did about 30 plus second baseman last night. Okay. And there were guys who I don't think are going to be high draft picks that I have projected for like 25 plus steals. So, like, I don't necessarily need to get a ton of stolen bases early. You know, you don't want to, you know, come out of your first, you know, five to 10 rounds empty. But like Zach uh, Jelloff, like I, I think I projected him for like 28, 29 stolen bases for next season. Um, and so nice. it's like, OK, yeah, like if I pair Mike Trout with uh, him, like I think that, OK, now I've got a guy who's going to hit me potentially 30 home runs if he can stay healthy. Uh, score a bunch of runs, get a bunch of RBIs, and then I got Jelloff, who I think isn't going to be a zero in terms of home runs, but steal a bunch of bases because he's going to play every day in Oakland. So 
34 steals. Uh, I think it's Geloff. I'm not entirely oh, sure if it's Geloff. Um, I've heard Geloff, but if it's Geloff, y'all let me know. In 581 plate appearances across triple and double A, 14 of those in 273 plate appearances at the major league level, the other 20 in 308 at triple A, along with some surprising power, 25 bombs between those two levels. And you can write off the PCL, sure, but he got the 13 with Oakland. Yeah. And we know that that park isn't influencing anything. So if you can go, or if it's influencing it downward, um, if you if you can go, what, what did you do for the Homer projection? Were you in the teens? I think I was. I think it was in the low teens. I think it was like 14 or 15, something like that. Um, I, he's, so the, he's been pretty lucky uh, to get some of the home runs that he's gotten. He ripped eight quick. Yeah. Like, it, it, it was very surprising. It was great. That was when my my the peak of my season when everything was clicking. I I, I had Geloff. And um, yeah, I did not expect the power. I got him for the speed. He was delivering that. I agree. Like It might seem weird to only go, say, you know, between 13 and 16 homers on a projection when he hit 13 and 63 games. But I think that is more in line. I might get to upper teens, but I'm certainly not going to get anywhere near an extrapolation point of doing, you know, 27 20 I'm, I, not, I'm not going mid 20s to off I, I just brought it up so i have 16 home runs 29 stolen bases a 243 301 385 triple slash that's a good season there's upside there too at 24 mm -hmm. if he is more real of what we saw this year which again would be pretty rich it's a small sample of 273 plate appearances where Geloff played really really well if he's near that good and you come in and it comes in above your projection that's a hell of a season. Yeah, that's going to be monstrous. But he doesn't hit lefties at all. He does it all against righties. So I think you're reasonable to uh, to put that. And I don't even want to say wet blanket because I I just I don't think there's reason to get too overly excited. Just project him for something like you had there for Geloff, and that's a pretty good number for him. Yeah. So Trout, um, in the meatball draft, he went in the sixth round. It was the first pick of the sixth round to our friend Ryan Bloomfield, and he paired him with Judge and Mullins. Um, where do you stand on that? We were talking second, third. Clearly, that's not the case based on this draft here. I don't know where he went in the Tower Wars one. Um, weren't you in that? I was in that. I could probably look it up. Maybe, maybe you can pull that up. But anyway, what do you think about that sixth round draft spot? Let's, let's say he's fit five, six for Trout in a 15-teamer. How interested are you there? Yeah, I'd be really interested there. Uh, like, I mean, I think that is a perfect spot to take a, take a little bit of gamble, especially if you have safer picks i don't know if i love bloomfield's pick with it because he's already got judge who's another injury concern bat and uh but i mean he's got mullins so like mullins will carry both of them on his shoulders while hitting home runs and stealing bases um he, he's going 40 70 this next year mullins is. yeah feels he's like make up so, mm -hmm. so uh, we might like trout at, at the price that he's at uh, it could be one of those where it starts slow and works its way back up, though, especially with some good reports, some strong spring. So it could be a guy where Trout is somebody is one of those guys where the winter buyers, the fall and winter buyers, get that, that discount and then come spring. They're like, I've already got my shares. You guys are now pushing him back into the fourth because he's healthy, and I will just take my fifth, sixth round shares to the bank. I think that's where I would be on Trout, but we'll continue to monitor monitor his price as the offseason develops. Uh, what about a youngster? Jazz Chisholm, 34th pick overall. Nowhere near that this year. Absolutely health. But what reason would we have to expect him to be healthy? He's starting to pile up some persistent health concerns. Where do you stand on Jazz Chisholm for next year? Yeah, I, I got into, I don't want to call it an argument because it was very, very, uh, you know, well, 
debate. Uh, yeah, uh, debate yeah, when debate it's with, not uh, hateful or anything. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with Mike Curlin um, on Twitter because he put out a poll like, who would you rather have next year? Uh, would you rather have Jazz Chisholm and uh, CJ Abrams? And when I voted on the poll, I was surprised that the poll was exactly 50 50 with hundreds of votes. Um, and I was like, man, I'm really kind of surprised at the results. And he was like, yeah, I really thought Jazz would run away with this. And I was all like, oh, okay, so this is why we have the 50 50 split because there's no well, world. What was it between again? I'm sorry. Jazz Chisholm and CJ Abrams. Oh, well, you're taking Abrams all day, right? That's your boy. Yeah, like, I mean, you have to. Like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to. No, 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 no. You have to. I, I think you it's open. No, you don't. That, that is so recency bias. It's unbelievable. Now, I don't know how much you said you were only in uh, the Rotowire chat briefly last night. We brought up Abrams. And uh, Scott, Chat, and I, uh, I I'm, I'm part of Chat. So Scott and Chat, of which I was part of, we were kind of putting Jeff on. Jeff was thinking that he wasn't going to be that expensive. I think he's oh, going to, yeah. I think CJ Abrams is going to be a third round guy with second round creep. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if he's that high, then I probably will end up passing on him. I so got him Scott. in the fifth round. Yeah. I got him in the fifth round of the town. Tout he went in the fifth round of the meatball one too. I think that's where he starts. You buy now. Um, I, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get written up a bunch about his breakout. Remember, and they brought this up on, on the show, uh, Scott did, that he was cut in Scott's main. Zach Waxman picked him up. And I don't blame the cutter uh, because I dug into the stats then. I was putting him in the chat. He was under like a 650 OPS deep into June, Justin. He, 619, or, um, 619 meaning uh, June 19th. He was at a 636, CJ Abrams was, for his OPS. Since then... You're looking at from June 20th on 782 with 12 homers and 36 steals, which is a 2471 pace. Now, obviously, we're not saying that that's what he would do, but that's 82 games of a 2471 pace for CJ Abrams. He'll be 24 next year. Uh, excuse me, 23, age 23 season next year. I really think he gets pushed up a ton. I don't think you get that fifth round price very often. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, he was dropped in my auction. He may be the most. I believe it. Uh, he may be my most impactful pickup in that auction um, because I got him on six eighteen. Uh, right, be right before that time period that I just gave. Yeah, and from then on, and I'm pretty sure I've started him pretty much every week. Uh, yeah, he hit two sixty nine, twelve home runs, nice. thirty seven stolen bases. Uh, since since unreal then. man yeah uh and i mean what he's doing is kind of backing up what he's always done in the minor leagues which is just make a crap ton of contact i mean it's almost you've been a fan on it oh yeah i love April. this is your guy mm -hmm. this is your guy here and let's not pretend like oh he's finally doing it this is his second year, yeah. but Abrams was one of those classic guys who flops year one, so he gets forgotten. He's 22. And so, yeah, exactly. yeah, he's 22 years old. You know, they committed to him, and he even flopped early this year, as we just highlighted. He was getting cut and now has this huge breakout second half. It's going to lead to a lot of helium. What's your cutoff, do you think? If, it, if it's if it's third, late third and you know that that's your last chance to take him, do you take Abrams? I might. I think it would be. I think it would be in the discussion for me. Um, I just now I, with jazz. 
sorry, uh, finish your thought there, and then I'll, be, I'll get back to Jazz, because that's who we started this convo with, yeah. and we kind of veered off of him quickly. Um, I just Abrams, like, I think it'll depend a lot on where the ADP is falling. Like, do I, is there any realistic chance? Because I'm okay missing out on a guy that I go, hey, I would take him here, but I think I can get him next. Like, I know that always sucks to feel like, oh, I sh-, you know, uh, I, mm-hmm. he's not going to be a guy like I have to have on my roster. So, okay. uh, but yeah, I, I will love me some CJ Abrams next year. So ja- Jazz didn't go in the seven round meatball. Shouldn't. Um, he's outfield only. Yeah. So the the Jazz Abrams comp is, is more due to their skills as opposed to uh, positionality now because he no longer qualifies there. But we're still talking about 92 games with an 1822 homer stolen base with a 248 average. Like, why can't Jazz just do what Abrams did, but for a full season if he can spike some health? I mean, it's all about spiking the health. And I, of course, what I will say too is while they put up like similar fantasy output in terms of like the raw counting numbers, the skills are not the same. CJ Abrams' skills are a lot better than Jazz uh, Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm has an atrocious, an atrocious 74% zone contact this year. Um, Yikes. And a 15% swing strike rate. Like, they are not Neither walk, neither walk, but Abrams' strikeout rate is substantially better. 12 points better from 31 to 19. That's that's night and day, really. And that's going to put so many more balls in play. It's going to give them a higher batting average potential, even though they have the same batting average this year. If you're trying to project forward, uh, plus I believe that C.J. Abrams can run better than a 280 Babbitt. Yeah. Uh, that seems pretty low. That might be one of the lowest numbers he ever runs in a full season again, I think, for C.J. Abrams. So, yeah, I'm in on the train. I, I do think he's going to be going up. I'm not averse to taking him. He's not going to be somebody I have to get but um if he's going in this fifth sixth range which is where he went in the two early drafts that we know of um i'm taking that all day yeah. because i really think it creeps fourth uh third fourth with some second round potential in spring especially if he has a big spring yeah let's go to dalton varsho uh no more catching and you know that was part of a big part of his appeal this year but also the fact that he's a power speed guy um that he should be able to maintain some value even if he doesn't have the catcher but having the catcher this year is why he was picked 45th overall he ends up going 18 15 on the homers and steals but hits just 221 which is really tough that's 14 points lower than last year obviously 235 is already pretty low at catcher you're still not uh, losing your mind over that. Like uh, he ended up actually, he ended up outside the top 10 of catchers because catcher got so much beef to it. As the season went on guys like William Contreras jumping to the top of the heap, Jonah Heim beasting Wilson Contreras having another good year. Yiner Diaz coming in and making a bunch of noise. So Varsho got pushed out of the top 10 there, which is pretty rough. Now he goes with no uh, catcher eligibility, where do we look at him next year after dropping from 27 to 18 homers in um, virtually the same amount of playing time? So we're going to talk about another Blue Jay. And it's funny because, uh, you know, you you already come up with a topic and I started filling one out that included like Yankee, young Yankee sitters. The next one I was going to do was uh, Toronto Blue Jay busts because you yes. know, we've got Varto, Bichette. Uh, I think you'd call Vlad a bust considering where you dra- drafted him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you wonder like just – some weird going on in Toronto this year. Like uh, the park changes like yeah, weirdly yes. affected that. Well, for Vlad, 
I don't know if it was the park changes, but he did have a weirdly awful season at home. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's really bad. I, I don't know exactly what's going on with either. I, I literally picked up Varsho for a dollar. I believe it was might've been two or $3 in my road online championship this week for Wilson. Wow. Contreras. Um, now, obviously a lot of people aren't competing in that league, so maybe they just sure. didn't put in bids, but uh, I mean, Yes, it's an extremely disappointing season for him. Uh, you know, the hard part is, I, I mean, I think he's got to bounce back, but the losing of the catcher eligibility just kind of crushes this value uh, in terms of where he was going this year, right? Um, because now you're talking about a guy who is like probably like, I would say like I'm probably going to project him around like 22 home runs, maybe maybe a few more and like 15 stolen bases next year with like a 240 batting average, 230 batting average. And wait, say, say those numbers again. I'm sorry. Like 22, 23 home runs, you know, 15 stolen bases. Um, That's still pretty useful. And then what, what, what average did you say? Probably like 240, 230, something like that. That's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he makes, he's actually made a lot of zone contact this year. Um, and, I just I, I can't believe he's forgotten how to hit. Like I just like that yeah. just seems weird to me. Uh, you know, you wonder how much is you know being in a new environment. Uh, you know, new country too. Yeah, new position. Uh, you know, when you've come up the entire time throughout your career as a catcher, and now you're being told you're not a catcher anymore. Uh, like I he, think he, he was never a catcher. He was never a catcher. Remember, I, <laughs> I had that source within Dimebags organization that said the only person thought he was a catcher was the general manager of the Dimebacks. Um, Correct. So, uh, I think he's going to bounce back. I think he'll be. I like a too. good bargain, especially because I think there'll be a lot of people who just say, "I'm never drafted him again" because he burned me. And, and because of the catcher eligibility thing, I think that yeah. will depress his price more than it should on Varsho. And I think I'm going to be there ready to scoop um, because I still think I can get 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, he's 161 on the auction calculator amongst hitters. That's not good at all. Uh, after going pick 45 overall. So it, it's a flop, but I think he can hit better than 221. And even getting back to last year's 235 would be a pretty big difference. Those 14 points would be a pretty big deal, especially for the outfield. And if he can hit 20 something homers and, and get teens steals again, I think that's fine as like my fourth outfielder, maybe even your fifth, depending on how aggressively you draft outfield, right? Varsho's not going to be expensive next year. And I think I'm ready to buy the dip on Varsho. Yeah, I am too. By the way, I was looking wrong color. Speaking of the position eligibility for Chisholm, he did go in the meatball. He went in the sixth round, actually to the very same team that took Abrams. So they went Abrams in the fifth, Jazz in the sixth. I kinda, How interesting is that? I kind of like that. Like, I don't mind, like, that That kind of pick, I don't mind so much for Chisholm. Like, sixth, seventh round, like, that That does, you know, that bakes in some of the risk, uh, and yep. also you get a ton of upside. Um, you just need to be really safe the rest of the way in terms of yeah. the draft. So, uh, yeah. I take I that like gamble, that. though. Yeah, sure, why not? I, 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 I definitely take that gamble. Uh, Bo Bichette, you mentioned we're going to talk about another Blue Jay. Here he is. Bo Bichette, uh, 67th pick this year. And did not come anywhere near that. He ended up, uh, excuse me, he was um, eighth in ADP, finishing 67th on the season. Sorry. So he was a first mid-first rounder there. Drops down to 67 amongst hitters. It was a tough year. Where did the speed go? 
Um, you know, we talked about he's been so weird with the speed and we talked about how maybe he doesn't have it coming into 2021. I remember saying like, Oh, I don't want to fall for him the way I did with Jack Peterson and George Springer. They ran in the minors. They haven't in the majors. Then he goes 25 for 26. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm an a-hole um, moving on from that. Then he goes 13 for 21 last year. And this year, four for seven when everybody else is running. Now he only played 129 games and obviously he'll, he'll eclipse 130 with a, with a couple games this week, but that's still some missed time. 20 homers, 303 average. So a lot of this is the, uh, lack of speed and the time missed, but where are you at on Bo Bichette and where do we think his price falls to next year? Uh, I'll give you the meatball price after you, you kind of let me know what you think. What do you think his sprint, uh, sprint speed uh, percentile is? 73rd. 41. Oh, so he did lose the speed. I thought you were going to hit me with a, he actually kept his speed, but you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, remember, there was an article at the end of the year at Fangraphs. I can't remember who wrote it, and I sincerely apologize, but they covered all the elements that went into Bo uh, losing his speed. Esteban was his name. Uh, I'm blanking on, uh, oh God. Yes, but it wasn't it, it wasn't a single factor. It was one of these, all these little incremental mm -hmm. things cut into Bo Bichette's speed, and we don't know if it's going to come back. Well, Spoiler alert, it did not come back. And so um, that was a that was a really interesting article. Esteban Rivera. Oh, sorry. That's right. So as the no. No, no, no. Leo Morgenstern wrote the uh, wrote the uh, why Bobachet's wheels fell off. Oh, oh what did Esteban write? Oh he wrote uh, Did they both write about his speed? Yeah, no, he wrote about oh. he wrote about his hitting mechanics. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, Leo Morgan Morgenstern wrote about the the wheels falling off on Bichette, and like I said, he he mentioned that it was multiple different elements. It did not return this year. Do you project him for double digits again? Like, because he, I don't think you can. You know, I'm, it feels like you should. You probably shouldn't, right? That twenty five out of twenty six is going to kind of be, yeah, the peak probably with him, right? With Bichette, I think. I mean, the fact that his sprint speed has slowed down, uh, that he was four for seven. It wasn't even like he was four for five. Like he, he wasn't even efficient. I mean, how much of this was the blue Jays saying, Hey, listen, we don't want you to do this anymore. Just stop, yep. you know, cut it out. Uh, you know, you've got too many good hitters coming up behind you. Uh, we don't need you running into an out. Like, um, so, mm -hmm. uh, which is really disappointing in a year where guys like, I don't know, Bryson Stott stole, 29 or whatever many he's stolen this year um, he went crazy 61 percent success rate now since 2022 for bo bichette yeah. uh with with his 21 with his 17 steals on a uh on 28 attempts now he went in the second round of the meatball that's true because right. they're seeing 20 homers in 130 games and a 303 average with the runs and ribbies i agree but where where do you think you're paying then on bichette third where does he need to go or fourth round probably um, okay. I think you're going to start having discussions about would you rather have the speed from Abrams or the power from uh, from Bichette, and I think it yep. it comes down to roster construction. But I think that is a really good argument. Yep, I think so too. And that, like I said, I have Abrams moving up there, and that will become an interesting battle if Bichette comes down with it and they meet in the middle a bit. All right, let's go to another uh, young shortstop. This one was pure injury, but we have to talk about him because we still don't know what the, what we're getting here. There's going to be the true believers in every draft, but will it be enough for O'Neill Cruz to maintain a high uh, ADP? He went 68 this year, and 
did not finish that high. <laughs> O'Neill Cruz finished like uh, 478, which, you know, not great. Call me crazy. But of course, ripped his ankle early on and uh, it was nine games into the season. So it's a total washout from that standpoint. So now here we are. We don't even have an 87 game sample to drool over like we did last year and project upon. We have a completely missed season for the 24 year old. At age 25, I will tell you, he did go in the meatball draft, but where do you take uh, O'Neill Cruz next year? I mean, seventh, eighth round, which means I'm probably not going to get him. Uh, he went sixth. Yeah. I, I even seventh, eighth round feels rich. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's pretty much missed the entire season and was supposed to try to make it back and didn't, um, you know, because of setbacks. So, uh, and we still haven't even discussed the fact like his plate skills are atrocious, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, we did discuss that coming into the year. Yeah. But yeah it, it, it remained so even in our brief sample and he yeah. didn't have time to improve upon that. And you do wonder, like, I, I mean, it's obviously way too early in his career to call him injury prone, but like, he's a big dude and big dudes yes. get hurt a lot more than smaller dudes like it's just kind of you know the nature of the game you know there's just more mass to carry around so yeah you're more susceptible with all those moving parts and o'neill cruz is a stud you know especially a shortstop where he's like that yep. is a tough position to play especially when you're you know seven foot five so uh <laughs> yeah i can relate yeah exactly right you wouldn't play they wouldn't put you a shortstop um so i I love O'Neill Cruz. If you've listened to the pod for any length of time, you know how much I love O'Neill Cruz. That's why I was surprised that you balking at seven, eight, you're moving off a guy that you've been in on. You know, I, I mean, when I end up doing his projections, which I'm sure I'll have done here in the next couple of weeks, um, I may just like turn around and be like, never mind, screw it, all O'Neill Cruz all the time. I think that's uh, going to happen to you with Abrams too. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you are going to be more eager to pay that third fourth price once you kind of get excited and be like actually my numbers are uh, are pretty spicy on him so yeah with Cruz you know uh, it really is going to come down to that draft cost because I don't think that, that that sixth round is set there I don't think that's a terrible spot to to take the shot um, but I think he could be in a wide range there I think he could O'Neill Cruz could range as low as like the ninth round eighth ninth round and I think uh, at that point maybe the upside is is too rich to pass up i don't know it kind of depends on team construction too you talk about taking that one gamble with jazz chisholm it'd be the same with cruz he's kind of your big gamble early on and then you have to play it a little bit safer insofar as you even can but, but then you have to be a little bit more careful i think i mean wouldn't you rather have chisholm like i mean like i would much, absolutely yes as much as i love you know cruz he's been my dude i think i'd rather have chisholm because i've seen him stay on the field i've seen him make it work even with bad plate skills yep haven't really seen that with o'neill cruz we've seen flashes and glimpses glimpses but not yep. not what we need to see to be like okay i'm sure i can you know pencil him in for this yeah and that's what becomes scary with o'neill cruz he is such a blank slate even a bad year but like 145 games of it this year would have kept people a bit more excited than a total missed year it's just such a bummer and it really creates this kind of blank slate We'll see where he starts to go. O'Neill Cruz. We'll keep tabs on that in Arizona as well when we go to the fall league. Uh, Tim Anderson staying at shortstop. A lot of shortstop busts here. Happens to be three in a row. That's why we were going in ADP order, uh, but I brought Bichette, Cruz, and, and uh, Anderson down together since they were all three shortstops. Tim Anderson went 76th overall. One homer. He's got, he got knocked out as many times as he hit as he knocked mm -hmm. one out. 
Uh, you know, I had to. I, I can't <laughs> not reference uh, reference the cold cock. One homer, 13 steals, 248 average in 507 plate appearances. Uh, O'Neill Cruz matched his homer total. He played nine damn games. 62 WRC plus for the 30-year-old. Obviously, everything went wrong, although he still maintained a pretty high BABIP at 327. That's just something that Tim Anderson does. Is there any world where you're back in next year? And how far does this price sink? Are we talking teens round here for uh, Tim Anderson? He'll be 31. I mean, I think it all depends on where he's playing. Like, is he's got a team option for $12.5 million. Uh, got to pick that up, even if you want to trade him. You have to. I would think they would pick it up. I kind of wish he'd go somewhere else. Like, I, yeah, you have to wonder, Start like, over. there's a lot of off-the-field things with him this year. Um, and you have to wonder, like, does he just need a fresh start somewhere? Uh, I totally see it. And uh, because I don't believe that a guy as talented as him uh, just forgot how to play baseball. Um, yeah, I, I think Tim Anderson could have a rebirth, and it wouldn't even really surprise me that much. Yeah. Do you have any landing spots in mind that would really pique your interest? What if your boys got him? I was just thinking, I don't think I want my boys to get him because uh that, Justin's a Giants fan for those that yeah. don't know, but most most probably know. Uh because yeah, th that park would just be disastrous for his power output. Um, <laughs> Can it be any worse than it was this year? But what Well, but you would expect you, it to really No, I know, I know. Right? I'm trying to be you funny know? on that one. I'm trying to be I don't expect him to hit one again. But let's say let's say he does go there to San Francisco, Tim Anderson. Can't you then project him for an up, you know, a uh, uh, three ten average, but maybe like uh, eight to twelve homers? You got to you got to keep the homers down a little bit. But can't you maybe go a little bit crazier on the average with those alleys? Yeah, I mean, I think you probably could. Um, and I mean, I don't think they would stop him for running. You know, I mean, he's still no, he's always he, been efficient too. Yeah, even with his struggles this year, still stole thirteen bases. So. I mean, I would love it as a fan, as a fantasy manager. I don't know if I would love it that much. Bad lineup. Um, uh, and I, I, mean, I think y'all could do more, though, too. I don't think it would be like Tim Anderson's the move. What if you had like three, four guys and all of a sudden you thicken up you that lineup? You want to know what the move is, though, where he should what? go? He Wait should go that. to Atlanta. Oh, my God. That he His price would get bananas in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, for obvious reasons, and I, I'm not even sure I blame people. Yeah, that that's a great call. I, I if they if they believe enough that his defense is better than Vaughn Grissom's, who we know has uh, probably not good enough defense to really hold short. Orlando Arcia did admirably this year, but you bring in somebody like Tim Anderson on the cheap. They're always so cost efficient with everything. It would make sense that they would trade for a guy who's on a good contract and they take the gamble. Mm -hmm. That's a great call. What's the highest you'd pay if he did go there? Would you pay single digit round? Would you pay ninth round? I don't think I would, but I'd would you pay twelfth. I'll yeah, jump all I the way down to twelve. I think I'd maybe go twelve. Yeah, I think that sounds all right. So somewhere in the eleven to thirteen range is probably your sweet spot. Yeah, I if he goes that, to somewhere like Atlanta, I think he Anderson. goes. I think he goes higher than that, though. Especially if that, he goes I, to I, play, I, like Atlanta. Especially if he goes to Atlanta, I think the flavor, the the hype machine. Uh, jumps jumps off the tracks. It goes so bananas. I agree with you. And then if you're starting to talk eighth, ninth round, I can't quite get there because I've never even really been that much of a Tim Anderson guy. I'm interested in buying the dip, but if that dip gets absorbed by a great landing spot, then I'm a bit more, you know, may maybe we take the speculative gamble early in these drafts that you and I do as sickos early on, and we take our shot in the 13th, 14th round, and then hope 
that it lands on a good spot and then go from there. Some that good, might be the play. Good teams need shortstops next year. I yes. mean, I think the Dodgers are going to look to upgrade. The Rays are probably going to Rays. Yeah, look at look to the Dodgers. I was thinking about too. Um, I almost said them, but you, you, you trumped it with the Braves one. And, I think and that if it isn't really a Thomas a free agent, so the Brewers could be looking. Is he? I, no, I think he's got still got another year. A little bit more time. I could be wrong because yeah, um, yeah. After after next year, oh, last God. year. All right, so so they'll they'll hang on to they'll him. They'll trade him. Uh, they could. They they do like to do that. They do like yeah. to move out before uh, before guys go, and then they'll trade Adamus, sign Tim Anderson. Yep. And that wouldn't be a bad landing spot with that part. Great. Yeah. Uh, Starmart. What are we doing with Starmart? Obviously, his age injuries uh, have started to pile up now. He's going to be thirty five next year. He hasn't eclipsed a buck twenty. Uh, since 2019, 120, 118, 86, the last three years, did still swipe 24 this year with in, in a very efficient 24 for 28, but only five homers and a 248 average in his 341 plate appearances. Is Starling Marte somebody who remains on your radar? Uh, he'll still be with the Mets unless they trade him because he's under contract. What do you think of Star Mart? Yeah, I mean, he's still got two more years under contract, too. So, yeah. um, I mean, if he had played a full year, we'd be probably loving his line even without a ton of power right because like he played half a season stole 24 bases to 10 or five home runs so kind of double that you go oh man he could have been like a 10 45 guy essentially yeah um i mean that's probably who he is at this point and but i think you also have to bake in a lot of time for injuries because this guy who hasn't been healthy a ton in his career anyways uh and now he gets hit by pitches all the time yeah. that's part of his profile mm -hmm. And so I, I guess I would probably project him for like 115 games or something like that and yep. uh, a boatload of stolen bases, but not a ton of power, especially if he does stay in that park, uh, which I assume he will because I don't know how many teams are going to be looking to pick up a guy like starting Marte on his, uh, with two years left on his deal. So uh, I, I'm probably not going to be super interested unless the price is really cheap. If the price is really cheap, I'll take the gamble because – Talking about a guy who could steal 40 bases, that, that that deserves to be rostered in every format. Yeah. 270-12-30 as, as like an off-the-top-of-my-head projection yeah. for um, Starling Marte. He didn't go in the meatball draft, again, which is seven rounds. Rob DiPietro puts yeah, that he, together. Yeah, he shouldn't have. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think he yeah. should have when it's only going seven rounds. As a double-digit rounder at that projection that I just gave you, you know, it where are you getting in for Stony Marte? Is it the 12th? Is it in that same Tim Anderson range? Is it higher? Yeah, I, I bet it's 12th, 13th round, something like that. Um, and I think that is fair. That might be but a bargain. Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. You know, and it's also, There's, you're starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, if this guy doesn't pan out, it's okay. Other guys will. Yeah. The ageism is going to start creeping in. He's going to be 35 yeah. Stony Marte. Coming off with injuries. The, yeah. Piling up injuries. That could keep the price down, even though the stats, like his average the last three years is 1128 with a 288 in the 108 games per season uh, for Starling Marte. So that'll be interesting. He went 83rd this year, by the way, and didn't finish anywhere near that. I didn't feel like I needed to give you all the number because it's hundreds. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, 87th. This is a guy for me that you should always buy the dip on if, if you like him. Never pay full price. And, um, you know, Injuries, he's kind of like a younger Stalin Marte. He doesn't have as much track record at all, but I'm just saying as like a power speed guy of interest who constantly gets hurt. 
Nine homers, five steals in just 72 games this year. Monstrous situation over in St. Louis. What do you think of Tyler O'Neill? And do you think he'll even be in St. Louis next year? This will be our last guy, by the way. I hope he's not in St. Louis. I absolutely hope Same. he's not in St. Louis. I hope they trade him to a better park, to a better situation where he's not being blocked. He's still a fantastic defender. He actually put up the best plate skills of his career, and it wasn't even close. He had a 5% oh, wow. growth from 82%, which is below league average, to 87% in zone contact. I think this could have been a monster year if he had just stayed healthy. And I don't think there's going to be a very big price on the guy. So, like, I think this is a guy you're going to get, like, outside the top 15 rounds that could, again, you know, he's put up second, third round numbers before. I think he could do it again, uh, especially if he gets a different location uh, away from what seems to be just a cancer situation in St. Louis for him. I so, can't uh, believe they're bringing Marmol back. I'm, I'm yeah. really surprised by that. I mean, so. uh, yeah. The those plate skills you talked about, career high 11% walk rate as well. Yeah. Strikeout rate down to 25%, also a career best. So they helped him to a 97 WRC plus despite the injury washout ugly year. He was still about a league average hitter and he was five for five on the basis. So he didn't have volume, but he was still efficient and he's been an efficient base runner. He gets to a new spot. They let him run a bit. I mean, would we be surprised by 25 and, and 13 type of deal with like a 240 average? Um, I think that's certainly in the cards for Tyler O'Neill. And like I said, this is a guy I buy the dip on consistently as opposed to pay for him when he's great. So if he does spike back up, then in 25, I'll, I'll be off just by virtue of the fact that I don't ever want to pay full price for this profile. Absolutely. All right. Well, those are our top 100 busts uh, amongst the hitters. I think we'll do pitchers on the same thing on Friday as we uh, land this plane on the regular season. Justin, best of luck to you, man. Like I said, I know we're going to be texting each other, sweating everything out. Keep me posted on how it's going, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.